If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 552. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all the social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. You can enroll free of charge, and you get that free class, 10 Myths of American History. And, of course, you can purchase classes there. I've got nearly 20 for sale, and that helps keep this podcast free of charge. And here we are, the day before Thanksgiving, November 24th, 2021. Black Friday comes up on the 26th. You've already been getting the Black Friday deals from McClanahan Academy. If you're on my email list, you want to get those deals, right? I mean, this is 30% off. It's the last time you're ever going to see a 30% coupon. You've got Black Friday, you've got Cyber Monday, and since it's the 24th, this coupon expires in less than a week. So if you're not on that email list and you're not getting those deals, you're missing out. This is going to be it. I mean, if you want to get 30% off my classes, this is the last time you're going to be able to do it. Now, I'll still offer coupons after this point. just never as good as 30%. So you want to go on there and get that 30% coupon. And those McClanahan Academy classes are great. Uh, you know, I've got classes on just about anything you can think of in U.S. history um, in one way or another, from a survey class to a class on the Constitution, class on the Presidents, class on the Founding Fathers, class on the War and Reconstruction. That covers a lot of ground, right? So there's a lot of great stuff. Class on Southern Cultural and Intellectual History. So much good stuff. And more next year. So once you're on that email list, you get the announcements of new classes and great discounts and all those kind of things. So head on over to McClanahan Academy and get that. Get those classes. They're never out of stock. We are heading into the holiday season. You want to get that. Also, click on the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, those make great gifts. Get one of my books. I've got nine of those. You can buy those anywhere. You Books are sold online. So get my books. Lots of great ways to give that Brian McClanahan show fan something of from me, and uh, I mean that whether it's yourself or somebody in your life, you know that's a great way to do it. And I do want to say again, I said this yesterday. Thanksgiving's tomorrow. I, I, I'm thankful for everyone out there that uh, that listens to the show and and uh, participates in the, in the show, sends me those show requests and comments and does things. I do appreciate all of that, and uh, you know, take the time these next couple of days to be thankful for things. Uh, thankful for family, thankful for all the people in your lives. Those are important things. Uh, you know, we get very involved in politics and history, and we get angry at things, and we get riled up, and I know I do too. And but there's so much good and beauty in this world, and you got to be thankful for those things. And so take time to do that. Now we all know again that the real Thanksgiving took place in in Virginia or Florida, one or the other, not New England. But that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll celebrate this New England holiday here all across the United States and give thanks for these things. And uh, I'm thankful I can do this podcast and continue to do this. We're, we're getting near the end of the year, and uh, I always appreciate uh, the support that I get from people. 
um, it, whether it's just you know verbal support, hey, good job, or I liked your show, or uh, you know questions about things, or even people that don't agree with what I say, even when they're ridiculously stupid, and I get that a lot. But regardless, the fact that they're listening means that uh, you know they're engaged. So I'm going to wrap up this uh, this last uh, show before Thanksgiving. Uh, with a discussion of Elon Musk. Now, this is interesting to me because, and I'm going to put this in context of history. It's interesting to me because there's so much going on here. Elon Musk has become a, a celebrity for libertarians, those on the right, because he's taken on Bernie Sanders and other people. And that's, I mean, look, he's got the right enemies, which is, which is great. Elon Musk is hiding something, though. And I remember this back in, uh, during the Obama administration. Elon Musk was good buddies with the Democrats back then. He liked them. Why? Because they were funneling cash into his fledgling businesses. You see, Tesla Motors. I've loved Tesla Motors from the beginning. And I didn't have any money back then. But I've always thought, and I'm talking about over a decade ago, uh, I thought investing in Tesla was going to be huge because Elon Musk is a good salesman. And Elon Musk was on the right path when it came to electric vehicles and other things. Like he was investing, he was looking at things like solar power and other, other things that were cutting edge. And when I say cutting edge, he had gotten on board with where the United States was going in terms of policy. And he figured out how to sell it. Even when he really didn't have a product to sell, he figured out how to sell it. And of course, one of the things I remember back when Tesla Motors came out and you have these the electric vehicle was always poo-pooed. Ah, you know, we got these muscle cars, we got all this stuff. And so Musk built a supercar. The Tesla was a supercar. It was a car that could go zero to 60 in two seconds. I mean, that was like a motorcycle. That was amazing to do that in a car. And so he was changing the way we thought about electric vehicles. These things are better than gasoline muscle cars. They're faster, at least in terms of acceleration. Now, how far can you go on them? How long does the battery last? How much cobalt do you have to get out of slave labor in Africa? All those things were up in the air. But Tesla was an innovative company because it was making electric supercars. And then, of course, you started making the sedans and everything else. And where I live now, I'm seeing Teslas all over the place. Plus, he also cut out the car dealership. You just buy a Tesla. You don't have to go to a car dealership and do all that. You just go buy your Tesla. You cut out the middleman. He's got his own things. So I found it fascinating. And Musk is a good salesman. What he's also good at, which is a piece on CNN, again, CNN Business, I've quoted CNN you know, three times recently. Uh, CNN Business um, points out, and this is where the left is critical of, of Musk, he's gotten a lot of money from the government. This is true, and this goes back to corporate welfare. This goes back to the idea of federally funded internal improvements. You see, if you're going to get money from the government, you can't really criticize when they come after your money. And this is essentially what's happening to Elon Musk right now. The Democrats want to take, they want to tax. And they're saying, hey, you wouldn't be who you are without us. And you know what? They're right in some ways because Elon Musk was virtually bankrupt with Tesla. He was virtually bankrupt with SpaceX. And the general government bailed him out. And they bailed him out because they have money to spend on, quote-unquote, internal improvements, the general welfare. 
This is the distortion of all that and why the Jeffersonians were so against it. Elon Musk or John Rockefeller or Andrew Carnegie, all these people are a shining example of that. Now, I remember going on Peter Schiff's show about a decade ago, and he asked me a question I couldn't answer it because I didn't know the answer to it. He said, look, um, something about what was the tax rate for all these people? And it was zero. I mean, and so it was zero at one point. And it was, he was talking about the wealth of this 19th century and how much wealth was out there and how these people were able to, to funnel that wealth into other parts of the economy. You know, Rockefeller doing all, all the things he did in Carnegie. And you, you just go down the line, uh, you know, Vanderbilt and all these great industrialists of the late 19th century. The tax rate was zero, so they were able to do all this stuff and make a lot of money. Now, Musk, because of the of loopholes and other things and the tax rate, and the way to do it, they don't really pay any personal income tax. Their companies ostensibly pay some taxes. Of course, employees pay a lot of taxes that work for these companies, but Musk doesn't. So they're able to shelter their taxes because of things they do. Well, this is it was structured that way, right? So the Democrats are not very happy about that. They want to have these billionaire taxes and millionaires' taxes. First of all, it was millionaires, but then Bernie Sanders became a millionaire, so then it was billionaires. Because millionaires are okay, but billionaires are bad. I guess if he ever is a billionaire, there's going to be trillionaires. Trillionaires are the only people we need to tax, not billionaires. And the way inflation is going, we're all going to be billionaires in about five years. So who knows? Uh, if that could happen. But the, the fact is we've got um, a real situation with federally funded internal improvements and corporate welfare. And the Democrats are actually right about this. So let me read this article. Um, it's here's how Elon Musk's fortune has benefited from taxpayer help. This is Chris Isidore at CNN Business or Isidore. I don't like to say his name, but Elon Musk can thank investors for a staggering network of nearly three hundred billion dollars. But taxpayers played a crucial role as well. Just how much or how little Musk pays in taxes has gotten a lot of attention lately, and even prompted his Twitter poll last weekend that pre, uh, preceded his decision to sell $6.9 billion worth of Tesla stock. There have been calls in Congress for a billionaire's tax that would require at least some minimal payment from wealthy individuals like Musk, who often have little in the way of income, taxable income. Musk has attacked that idea on Twitter. But just how much of his wealth is due to the government support his companies receive is not an easy answer question to answer. By some measures, little of his wealth is thanks to taxpayers, and in some ways, virtually all of it is. So this is, a, this is important, right? Because, again, going back to the Obama administration, back to about 2009, 2010, Musk was in trouble, and the general government bailed him out. They did. Musk's wealth is based on the value of his companies, including Tesla, which is only the sixth U.S. company in the history to be worth more than $1 trillion. And SpaceX, believed to be the nation's most valuable privately held enterprise with an estimated value of more than $100 billion. But those values are based mostly on investors' belief in the future sales and profits, not the relatively modest financial results these companies have shown to date. Tesla's sales and earnings, for example, represent a fraction of other long-established automakers. This is important. That's why I said Musk is a salesman, and he's good at it. And he's got this persona, and he knows how to work social media. This is, I mean, this is something to admire out of the man. He knew how to work people, and he knew how to work politicians to get money from the general government because he was going to do stuff that was on the cutting edge. It was going to make money. Now, whether they make a lot, this article gets into that. 
Tesla saw global sales of 627,000 vehicles in the first nine months of this year and net income of $3.2 billion, both records for the company. But global sales at Toyota were 10 times greater, and its net revenue was 2.3 trillion yen, or $20.3 billion, more than six times Tesla's. Even so, Tesla shares more than triple the value of Toyota's market cap. And Toyota is the world's second most valuable automaker. Tesla's market cap is roughly equal to that of the 12 largest automakers in the world combined. That is amazing. Now again, Musk is getting a bump from being interested in crypto. And of course, he's got uh, all this other stuff he's doing. He's got SpaceX. Toyota doesn't do any of that, right? General Motors, all the, they don't do any of that stuff. And they all seen as clunky. Ta ta uh, Tesla and Musk, I mean, this is cutting edge stuff. But then here is the kicker. Without taxpayer support, however, neither Tesla nor SpaceX would have survived this long and investors would have had the chance to make massive bets on both companies. Don't take our word for it. Ask Musk himself. In a tweet last year, Musk admitted that Tesla was nearly forced to file for bankruptcy as recently as 2019. The stock price, it seems unstoppable today, had been floundering among investors' justified concern that the company was facing a cash crunch as it had difficulty ramping up production of its Model 3 sedan. Closest we got to bankruptcy was about a month ago, he said in a 2020 tweet. The Model 3 ramp-up was extreme stress and pain for a long time, from mid-2017 to mid-2019, production and logistics hell. What Musk didn't say was one of the key T's that the kept the, of the company alive was the sale of regulatory credits to other automakers. Environmental regulations require companies that are not meeting emission standards to pay fines or buy credits generated by companies that comply with the rules. And no one had more of those credits to sell than all-electric Tesla. You see, this is the ingenious part of Elon Musk. He figured out, hey, the government's going to offer these credits. I'm going to create an electric car company, and I'm going to get all this stuff, and then I can make money selling these things. This is, this is the fraud of the environmental catastrophe group like Al Gore. The apocalypse now environmental uh, stuff. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's government-created fraud. Between 2008 and the first half of 2009, sales of regular, regulatory credits generated more than $2 billion. That was crucial to the company's survival. And the increased car sales ever since have resulted in additional credits that Tesla sold for another $3 billion since June 2019. <laughs> Think of what he's done. He's gamed the system to get money from the general government that he sells to other companies that have to pay these credits because they produce gasoline-powered automobiles. And Tesla doesn't produce any. This is the whole point of Volkswagen being Volkswagen now and all these, we're going to get all these electric vehicles. We're going to do all this and all that. But one of the things that people don't recognize with this electric vehicle stuff, and I'll just bring this up. What happens when everybody on your street has an electric vehicle and you got to plug those in? First of all, you need a special outlet in your garage for this. This is going to be a boon for electricians. They're going to have to come in and put all this stuff in. They have to put in... And then you have to up the grid because these things take uh, more amperage. So you gotta you, you gotta get a stronger system in your house just to produce, just to plug your car in. You can't just plug it into your standard outlet on your wall. It has to be a bigger outlet. So what happens when everybody does that? The system, the grid is not designed for this. So everybody in your neighborhood now is an electric car. They all come home, they all plug in their car, and boom, the lights go out because it's going to overload the system.
We're, it's not design. We don't have the design, the infrastructure for this. It doesn't exist. But this is where the general government wants to push everybody. That allowed the company to show profits sooner than it would have without the credits, lifting the value of its stock. In fact, it wasn't until the second quarter of this year that Tesla reported more in net income than it got from regulatory credit sales. It was really U.S. taxpayers that helped get him through the roughest, roughest times, said Dan Ives, tech and analyst with uh, Wade Bush Securities, who is a bull on Tesla shares today. In 2019, he was still skeptical of the company as the company struggled. If it didn't have the regulatory credits, Tesla would not be the brand it is around the globe, and Musk wouldn't be the richest person in the world, I've said. So if it wasn't for federally funded internal improvements and the general welfare clause, Elon Musk wouldn't be the richest guy alive. Again, genius on his part to use to game the system to his advantage. But this is what the Jeffersonians, this is what John Taylor of Caroline was talking about. This is what Thomas Jefferson was talking about. This is what all the, you know, this is what Tom Watson was talking about. The industrialists this is what the Southern agrarians were talking about. People gaming the system on taxpayers' backs to get money for something they're, they're I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Other billions for Tesla. That wasn't the only government assistance for Tesla. In January 2010, the company received a $465 million low-interest loan from the Department of Energy. Months before its initial public offering, when it was still in need of cash, it was able to pay back the loan early, but only through proceeds from an additional sale of stock in 2013. I remember that. I remember driving to work and... Um, this is early in the Obama administration, 2010, when this happened. And I thought, there you go. There's federally funded internal improvements. There is the root of part of the problem. See, the Obama administration is not against corruption. This is corruption at the highest level. It wants to be able to dole out the corruption to who it wants to dole it out to. The company also has benefited from the substantial tax credits car buyers receive when they buy a Tesla or other plug-in vehicles. These tax dollars went to the buyers, not directly to the company, but the incentive allowed Tesla to charge more for its cars than it otherwise could. In fact, when the $7,500 federal tax credit on Tesla purchases was halved to $3,750 in early 2019, Tesla responded by cutting the price of its cars by $2,000 to remain competitive. Right. So all that is just passed on. You don't, yeah, well, you get $7,500 off this car. In other words, you're going to get 70, Tesla's going to get $7,500 more. They're just going to raise the price of the car up. This is how it all works. This is how federal subsidies work. Tesla buyers received total federal tax credits worth an estimated $3.4 billion before the perk disappeared entirely at the end of 2019. Even if that only allowed Tesla to raise prices by half that amount, that's another $1.7 billion in federal help on top of the $5 billion received so far from regulatory credit sales. So $6.7 billion in taxpayer money. Again, federally funded internal improvements. I mean, it's a joke. And then there's SpaceX, which is smaller but more significant, still significant source of Musk's wealth. The taxpayer support for this venture is even more clear since it comes from the form of direct government contracts that are worth billions. According to SAM.gov, the government database that tracks federal spending, SpaceX has signed contracts worth more than $10 billion. None was more crucial than the one the company received just before Christmas in 2008, when SpaceX and Musk were both virtually out of cash. 
That contract to fly 12 supply missions to the International Space Station was worth $1.6 billion. The idea was crucial because it allowed the company to complete work on its Falcon 9 rocket, its main workhorse, as well as the Dragon capsule that would carry supplies and eventually crew, said Casey Dreer, Senior Space Policy Advisory for the Planetary Society, a public interest group advocating space flight. They were right on the edge of insolvency, Dreer said. Elon has pointed out that moment that they were on the edge, and that helped to save the company. Dreer said that the ISS and other contracts have worked out well for NASA, too, allowing the agency to use SpaceX rather than relying on the Russians to transport U.S. astronauts. So, But still, this is government money, a lot of it, going into his companies. But, I mean, lots of other government contractors make this. So, I mean, they're pointing out, they're targeting Musk here, but how many other businesses have been propped up by government contracts? This is, the, this is when you flood the market with government dollars. This is what you get. You saw it in Rome. This happened in Rome over and over again. The people that were getting fat and wealthy in Rome were people that had government contracts, engaged in government businesses, and took government credits and other things, taxes, whatever it was, they were doing it. This is what you're seeing in America. In fact, for the first time of several years ago, I think about three or four years ago, government employees on average made more than private sector employees. So who's, who's enriching, who's getting rich now in the United States? Well, people that are invested in the government and knowing which way the wind's blowing in the government and getting on board with that. Those are the people making a lot of money. And Elon Musk is doing that. So when, when he complains about, well, they're going to come after him, tax him, he's already made money on the government. So, I mean, in this case, the Democrats are clearly in the right by saying, we've already given you all this money, we just want it back, essentially. I mean, if the government was to say, we want $6.7 billion from you right now, that would be money they've already given them. But of course, we know $6.7 billion is scratching the surface on how much money the general government spends. The real problem in America is not the tax problem, it's the spend problem. All this could be cut if they just stop offering all all these incentives, and Musk wouldn't have these anymore. It would go away. We could cut spending, and a lot of these problems would go away, but that's not what we're going to do. We're looking at it from the revenue side, not the, not the spending side. SpaceX has gotten numerous additional government contracts from NASA, the military, and other U.S. government agencies. It won a $3 billion contract to develop the next vehicle to carry astronauts to the surface of the moon. And Dreyer said SpaceX and other NASA contractors also benefit from the agency's in-kind support, including access to NASA employees and expertise. So there's a lot going on here. But at the end of the day, this is exactly what the Jeffersonians, the old Republicans, worried about. This is what they complained about. Excessive, excessive involvement in the, from the government in the private sector and what that would do to create wealth. It created a government, it created a, a, a corporate welfare system. This is what we're seeing. So the government, on one hand, is creating the corporate welfare system that it wants to take on the other. And uh, the, the real people getting squished in that are the people in the middle who aren't part of this process. Middle-class Americans, which is the largest section of American society, who are getting crushed. This is the forgotten man. This is what uh, William Graham Sumner was talking about, the forgotten man. The people on the bottom get government assistance in a variety of ways. The people at the top get government assistance in billions of dollars of it. The people in the middle get nothing. 
let's just say a job. And I remember years ago, I had a political science professor, political science professor, say, "Well, you know what, middle class people get? They get jobs that they have to pay taxes on and everything else. I mean, so they get jobs. This is what they get." Thanks. You know, uh, the private sector could probably do some of these things too. Definitely could, but you'd have to cut out a lot of this money. Now you could say without that, there's no, there's no Tesla. There's none of that. I mean, these are benefits to society. So I mean, there's all kinds of arguments to be made here, but the fact is I found this interesting. We're talking about internal improvements. This is the corruption. This is the fusion of government banking, finance industry. This is exactly what the Jeffersonians talked about. We're seeing the end product of that, the end result of that. And another example, we had it during the Gilded Age with the with the industrialists then, we have it with Elon Musk and others now, we're seeing the end result of that. People chase government tr- contracts all day. The, the scientists chase government grants. They're going to go out and do all the research on global warming because that's where the government grants are. They're going to go wherever the grant money is and going to do whatever the government tells them to do because they just want to survive. And, and it's, it's human nature. We're going to go wherever the money is and we're going to produce the work. And it doesn't matter if you want us to say this, it's going to say it. That's the end of the story. So Musk is a really good salesman, a really good, uh, um, I don't want a word to use. I mean, I think salesman is the best. He's able to present a picture of Tesla and what's going on and, and market it really well. And it's, it's allowed for his companies to grow and prosper. But again, there's been a lot of corporate welfare involved in this too. And that's something the Jeffersonians were always against. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. Have a very happy Thanksgiving, and I will see you next week. See you then.